The Jets put a beatdown on the Raiders 34-3 for their third straight win. We break down Gang Green's blowout victory and if we should now take this team seriously with longtime New York Post football columnist Steve Serby. And we also chat with a member of the Jets' ring of honor and radio commentator Marty Lyons. All that and more is next on Gang's All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gang's All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us five stars and write a nice review while you're at it. I'm joined on this episode by friend of the program, Steve Serby, and a member of the SAC Exchange with the Jets and their color commentator on ESPN Radio New York, Marty Lyons. Let's get the show going. The Jets blew out the Raiders 34-3 on Sunday, their third straight win. Jets are now at 4-7, and seven, and there's some life to this season. Uh, I think it's a little premature to talk playoffs yet, uh, you know, but realistically they, they have a shot, uh, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think you have to be happy if you're a Jets fan just seeing progress, particularly from quarterback Sam Darnold through for 315 yards on Sunday. He just looks in control to me right now. It looks like this offense has gelled. Uh, you know, they Adam Gase, new system, a lot of new players, a lot of injuries, Sam Darnold missing three games. I think all of that slowed the growth of this team down, but now you're seeing it and things are clicking. And I thought the mood in the locker room was as festive as I've seen it in a while uh, on Sunday. You know, the Dallas game, maybe that was the last time I saw them like this because I felt it was more business-like after the Giants and Redskins game, sort of like, they expected to win those games and there wasn't a lot of excitement, but there was excitement after this one. And, you know, they, 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 it's been a while since these guys blew someone out like that. You know, even the Redskins game last week, they were in control, but let them back in the game. And I think that kind of soured the mood a little bit, but this one, they were in complete control uh, almost from the beginning of the game till the end. They, they gave up a field goal and then nothing else the rest of the game. Uh, you know, this team is a confident team right now. Now they head to Cincinnati to play a winless Bengals team, but a Bengals team that's been in their games recently. So I think that might be more interesting than people uh, think it will be. But the Jets have a chance here to go on a, a long winning streak. They got three three wins now, the Bengals and then the Dolphins. This could be a five-game winning streak. They could be six and seven heading into that Thursday night game at Baltimore against the Red Hot Ravens. So, you know, we'll see – if they can get there, I think I think that would be a huge statement for this team uh, if they can do that. And, and, you know, they said they want to play meaningful games in December. That will be a meaningful game in December. Now uh, I want to welcome in my longtime New York Post colleague, Steve Serby, who was at the game with me on Sunday. Uh, Serb, who are the Jets playing in the Super Bowl this year? That's, is that, was that a joke, Brian? <laughs> Uh, you were telling me uh, Sunday that the Jets had no playoff shot at all, and I think they have a 1% shot. Um, I notice now you're taking it not one game at a time, but three games at a time. Um, but, yeah, look, the difference in this team is Adam Gase and Sam Darnold have become two minds in one body, uh, which obviously, which ironically is what they said about Rex Ryan before his lap band surgery. But um, that was a joke, Brian. Um, 
<laughs> but Darnold looks like it looks like a different guy. It's a really it's a shame he had that mono because he because he is now making that second year leap that uh, we all thought he would and Jet fans hoped he would. His uh, his quarterback rating the last three weeks. Uh, my crack staff did a little research: ninety seven point nine. 121.3, 127.8. His decision-making is tremendous right now. A, a big sign of his growth is throwing the ball away when there's nothing there, avoiding a sack, which he did before Sam Ficken's 35-yard field goal, and his pocket awareness. And he, he completed the ball to nine different receivers on Sunday. So, Sam Darnold is who Giant fans are hoping Daniel Jones turns out to be next season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I thought that that was a good point about throwing it away. Um, That's something I touched on in my my rewind uh, for nypost.com. It's just his decision-making looks just so much better. Throwing the ball away, throwing it into the ground instead of trying to force it like he did in Washington on a screen pass. Uh, You know, it's, it's all clicking right now for Sam Darnold. You know, Adam Gase is a guy who got, uh, you know, banged around a little bit uh, over the last month, sir. But how much, how much credit do you give him for what you saw Sunday? Oh yeah, he, you got to give Adam Adam Gase credit. He's he's kept the team together, which is not easy to do in this town, as we know. But look, there's no, there are no banners flying overhead anymore, are there? Uh, no fire Gase banners, and um, I, I think he's found his groove. He he allowed. Uh, input from Sam Darnold uh, into the offense, and Darnold, uh, as we have seen, has taken ownership of it. And Darnold, lo- Darnold loves working with Gase, and I think that's the biggest reason why Christopher Johnson uh, announced three weeks ago. It looks like a genius now that Gase would return in 2020. Yeah, no, and yeah, I, I think you're right, and a lot's been made of that meeting. Um, you know, they, these guys talk all the time. I just want to make that clear because some people act like Sam stormed into his office to, to make this proclamation. They talk all the time. It was just, I think, you know, Sam's 22 years old. And I think his, his attitude with Adam at first was, whatever you throw at me, I'll handle. And, you know, he's a confident kid. He wanted to do whatever was asked of him. After that Jacksonville game, I think he got to a point where he said, okay, you know, this is kind of, what I feel comfortable with. This is what I feel uncomfortable with. And, you know, Adam Gase welcomed that. And I think that's where this, this offense sort of took its next step, even though the Miami game didn't go the way they thought it would, there were signs in that game that it was moving forward. And it's really just jumped off from there. Um, You know, defensively, sir, I think Greg Williams is doing a great job with, you know, he's got some guys in there that we didn't think we we're going to be playing when we looked at this team in August. What what did you make of the defensive effort on Sunday? Yeah, I think Greg Williams has, uh, has proven he's uh, quite a hire by Adam Gase. Um, no C.J. Mosley. He's got no, no Darrell Revis. We know that. He's got no elite pass rusher. And, and yet this run defense is impregnable. I mean, you could put – you could probably put – Brian Costello and Jake Brown in the middle of that defense and they'd stuff the run. I mean, Greg Williams has them attacking from from every which way but loose and he is showing that he's an elite play caller, an elite motivator and um I remember earlier in the year when the Browns uh kicked the Jets butt 
uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and J Jarvis Landry were having fun at Greg Williams' expense. But these players love playing for him. And who are these guys, really? Look at look at the look at the defensive roster. It, it, it's amazing what he's doing with this group. It really is. What What are you looking for in these last five games? You know, we we kind of joked about the Super Bowl and the playoffs, but what what do you think? You know, would be a positive step for this team over the last five games. How about running the table? <laughs> <laughs> well, you you laugh, you laugh, but but Greg Williams is going to have what Bruce Coslett once called the mother of all game plans for Lamar Jackson. Now. Things can happen between now and that December 12 game in Baltimore. I mean, um, injuries and, and whatnot. Now, I, I don't want Jet fans to root for, for Lamar Jackson to come down with mono. Believe me, I don't want that. But, you know, beat the Bengals, beat the, the Dolphins, which, of course, is, is no gimme for the New York football Jets. Um, but go into that game with a five-game winning streak and a six-and-seven record, and and who knows what can happen now? Imagine, you know, the the Jets have won nine games at one point in their history. Do you remember that? They have. They have in 1986. I think before you were born. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was in the fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, writing for your school paper, right? That's right. Yeah. No, but they look. I I don't expect them to beat the Ravens right now, but I do expect them to beat the Bengals. I do expect them to beat. Uh, the Dolphins, look at the quarterbacks they're facing. Ryan Finley in Cincinnati. Then they've got old friend Fitz, unless Brian Flores goes back to Josh Rosen, which he ought to. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson. And after Lamar Jackson, Kelvin, Kelvin Hodges for the Steelers. Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something if the Jets went into Buffalo, the regular season finale with a playoff berth on the line? Remember what happened last time, though. Speaking of fits, <laughs> look at the the AFC playoffs picture. The, the Jets are no more. Nobody has six more than six wins of, for that second wild card spot. So, yeah. look, uh, it, it's it's look. It'll take a miracle, but uh, look, it's if you're a Jets problem, fan, the problem for the Jets right now is they have one win in the AFC. So when you start looking at tiebreakers. The Jets have a long way to go. Of course, if you run the table, you finish six and six yeah. in the AFC. Yeah. So they have to run the table. It's it's the longest of long shots. But yeah. look, what else do Jet fans have to be thankful for on on Thanksgiving other than than a playoff push or talking about a playoff push? Sam Darnold and the Gangs All Here podcast and reading Serbia in the Post and reading Serbia in the Post. Good point. I really appreciate the time, sir. You can follow Steve Serby on Twitter at NYPost underscore Serby and check out his stories in the post or on NYPost.com. I'll see you soon in Florham Park, sir. All right, Kaz. Thank you. Let's take you inside what Jets fans are thinking in our producer Jake Brown's weekly letter from the fans. Dear Jets, three straight wins? 34 points in three straight weeks? A win over a team in playoff contention? Break up the Jets! Who are these guys? We've been negative all year long, so you know what? With Thanksgiving week here and an exorbitant amount of food hitting my belly soon, let's all be thankful. It's been pleasant watching this team play on both ends of the football. On Sunday, the Jets' defense absolutely stifled the Raiders. Three points, a forced fumble, a pick six, 
And you got Derek Carr sent packing early in the fourth quarter for Mike Glennon. Kudos to you, defense. Another kudos to Jamal Adams on the defense for not only putting a hell of a hit on Derek, but putting the non-NFL Carr brother Darren in a Twitter body bag. You got class to teach tomorrow, Mr. Carr. We are now seeing progression from Sam Darnold. Quick throws, accurate ones, and terrific decision-making. It almost brings tears of joy to see the second-year franchise quarterback now healthy and coming into his own. You're now 4-7, and seven, still very much away from the P-word even being discussed, but at least it's being murmured. With the winless Bengals and 2-9 and nine Dolphins next up on the schedule, a 6-7 and seven record going into a Thursday night tilt with the Ravens is still in the cards. A prayer for a 9-7 season and a wild card spot is at least alive. It's a pipe dream, but it's not completely out the window. So when you gobble down your turkey, gravy, biscuits, stuffing, and whatever vast amount of food you have on Thanksgiving, be thankful that Adam Gase and his squad is showing some life in a season that looked lost just a few weeks ago. 4-7 and seven looks better than 1-7, and seven, and now it's time to take care of business against the NFL's worst team and keep that jet flying. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Just win, baby. From the fans. I'd like to welcome in Marty Lyons now to the podcast. Marty, obviously a member of the Jets Ring of Honor, a member of the, the SAC Exchange, played his entire Jets career, played his entire career with the Jets from 1979 to 89. Now he's the color commentator, uh, along with Bob Wischusen on ESPN Radio 98.7. So, Marty, we get to talk to you after a win, uh, 34-3 to win over the Raiders. What was your, your biggest takeaway from Sunday's game? You know what, Brian? I think the biggest thing is they played complementary football, both offense, defense, special teams. They came out with energy. Uh, I believe that they should have had that touchdown on their opening drive, which would have been the fifth straight week, but they called a penalty because they went back and reviewed it. But I just thought that this team is – you know, they're starting to pick up the system. Um, you know, they're starting to believe in Adam Gaze even more, and I think Adam is opening up the playbook a little bit more for the offense. And, of course, the defense, I think, is is just playing aggressive. So I, I was happy for them, especially after the way that they started to win three in a row. It means a lot to the organization, a lot to the players, and um, – Hopefully they can go out to Cincinnati this week and do the same thing. I, I was happy for you and Bob that you had something good to talk about in the second half for once. <laughs> it's been you, you've had a you've had a rough season. <laughs> well, we've had a rough season, and we try to be as honest as possible to our listeners and as respectful as we can for those players. And as as a former player, you know I know the efforts there every single week, and just sometimes it's not good enough, or you make too many mental mistakes and. You have too many penalties, and the next thing you know, the game kind of gets away from you, and then frustration sets in, and you forget your assignment. So, you know, being there as a former player, you know, I was on some of those teams that went well. One team I know that went four and twelve, and I, my rookie season, we lost fifty-six to three up there in New England. So I know what it means as a player to sit there and you go, man, how how can we stop this? And you know, you stop it by winning. With um, Sam, Marty, I, the, the words that keep coming to, to my mind are in control. He just looks in control of the offense. He looks in control in his decision-making. And it's a far cry from five weeks ago when we walked out of MetLife Stadium after that 33 nothing loss to the Patriots, where that night he looked completely out of control. Really one of the first times in his career to me that I saw him, he didn't have any answers. 
what have you seen in Sam these last few weeks you think that's made the biggest difference in his play? Well, I think, number one, everybody forgets that Sam, even though he's in his second year, had some injuries last year, didn't play a complete season, had a good three or four weeks at the end of uh, 2018, which showed you why the Jets drafted him number one. He comes back this year, whole new system, trying to learn it, trying to learn it during training camp. Preseason games between me and you, Brian, I think they're a joke, a total joke. Players aren't playing. The players aren't getting in football shape. Everybody's trying to save their, you know, starters for the opener. And that's what the Jets did. And they went out there and they had a 16-point lead and let it slip away uh, against the Buffalo Bills. The second half of that game, I think we saw indications that Sam wasn't healthy. And then he got diagnosed with mono. And then the backup quarterback gets hurt. You know, they bring in uh, Trevor Simeon to back him up, and he gets hurt against Cleveland. So you couldn't really say that anybody adapted or learned the system. The offensive line started getting shuffled around. The Jets went out, and they got Ryan Khalil to come in out of retirement. And I think that, um, you know, unfortunately, he didn't play as well as he thought he would. And, you know, now I think you look at that offensive line, and you start with the center, Jonathan Harrison. And I think he's young. I think he's aggressive. I think he's strong. And then you throw in the two guards. You got Tom Compton and you got Alex uh, Lewis. And the offensive line seems to be gelling, seems to be playing well. I was impressed with Jonathan Harrison yesterday in the fourth quarter when you had the whole right side of the line blocked down and he pulled from the center position. He was the lead blocker. And he was nine yards down the field getting a block. And, I, you know, you can see the chemistry of the team coming together and you can see the belief in the game plan. And more importantly, you can see the execution in the game plan. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned the offensive line. I was thinking yesterday with Harrison and then with Compton, those guys are fresh because they haven't played a lot of football this year. So where, like, you look at a guy like Beecham, he's getting beaten down. You know, he, he's now he's got, a, he's got both ankles sprained. And he, you know, he's a guy who's played a lot of football this year. But Compton and Harrison just look like really fresh guys to me who, uh, you know, have made a difference here in these last few weeks of the way they played. Yeah, and you know what? And I mean this as a compliment. When you look at a guy like Alex Lewis, he's got a little bit of that nastiness in him. And, you know, and everybody used to say, Kevin, why he was nasty out there on the football field. And you take him off the football field, he was a complete gentleman. You know, Alex has something about him, the way he plays. Unfortunately, he had a holding penalty. They called back that big play. But, you know, sometimes it's better to hold the guy than to let the guy hit your quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's just got to figure out a way to cut out the holding penalties, and, and he'd be uh, he'd be having a really good season. He just he seems like to have an in, one, one of those penalties a week right now. Uh, you know, but you, like, you're right. I think he's been very good since he's been in there since, you know, mid-September they put him in replacing Osemele. Um You touched on the game plan a little bit, Marty, and I thought – you know, Adam Gates has had a lot of detractors this season. A lot of people, you know, were, were ripping him pretty good a few weeks ago after that loss in Miami, calling for his job even, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, but, you know, what did you see from Adam yesterday uh, on the offensive side of the ball? And then Greg Williams on the defensive side of the ball, allowing just three points and, and holding Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr down like he did. 
Well, on the offensive side of the ball, I think what we're seeing now is just how important to have that uh, tight end involved in the offense. You look at Ryan Griffin's outstanding games, and he's really opened up that offense, even on the touchdown he caught yesterday. A lot of misdirection. Sam stops, throws it back over to Ryan. He's wide open. He could have walked into, into the end zone. So I think you once you have a, a healthy tight end, and everybody was waiting for Chris Herndon to come back, but you got Ryan Griffin come in. They gave him a new contract, and I think he's earned every penny he's getting. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, I'm very fortunate. I became friends with uh, Greg Williams early. We talk about the game plan a little bit in the end zone before the game. And he flat out is going to turn these guys loose. And he has a guy that plays with a lot of energy, has a great ability to get to the ball and get to the quarterback. And he's going to take, you know, Jamal Adams and utilize his talent, put him up there in the box. He can shut down the run, put him on the corner, let him come off. He's got the speed to come around. And, you know, we can, we, we have witnessed what he does uh, once he gets to the quarterback. So that's a good thing about the, you know, it's complimentary football. When the offense can move the ball and the defense can go out there and number one, you shut down the run. When you shut down the running game, and you make a team one-dimensional, it gives you so much of an advantage. And, you know, like I said, I'm happy for them, the way that they've rebounded after that one-and-seven start. You know, the organization, I thought Chris uh, Johnson made the right move after the Giant game coming out and saying, hey, you know what, we're fully committed to Adam. You know, they got to give Adam Gaze and they got to give Joe Douglas an opportunity to evaluate this team and prepare for a draft. They're going to look at the board and they're going to say, what do we need? How are we going to get them? And let them build this team. And I think they're going to build it the right way. I think they're going to build it from the offensive line up. Because if you can't protect your quarterback and you can't run the ball, I think we saw that last night when you had the 49ers playing Green Bay. You know, you're not going to win. You're not going to get many first downs and you're not going to convert on third downs. And as a result, the score is going to end up what it was last night, 37 to 8. Yeah, no, I think you, you raise a good point. I think Joe Douglas, I wrote a few weeks ago, that there's a lot of work to be done still with this team. And even though now they've won three games in a row and Jets fans can feel good, it, it's still, you know, there's still a lot of holes on this roster. And I think they're getting some good coaching right now. Uh, they've gotten a little, you know, the Raiders are a good team, but the Giants and Redskins are struggling. They got a little break in the schedule. But uh, Joe Douglas has a lot of areas to hit. And number one is offensive line this offseason. Curious, Marty, what you've made of um, Bless Austin and Arthur Marlette, two guys that most fans probably didn't know much about four weeks ago, and now these guys have been in starting roles and have played pretty well, in my opinion. Well, I think if you go to Bless Austin, I think what he said after the games of Bob Schuerson yesterday um, was uh, so important. He said, you know what, I've gotten the opportunity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treasure this opportunity. That's all you can ask if you're an NFL player. If you're drafted number one, you get more opportunities. If you come in as a free agent, you have to work to get that opportunity. And I think he's worked his way into the lineup, and he's playing extremely well. You know, he's a good cover guy, but a better tackler. And when you when I look at Austin, he reminds me of years ago we had a guy Jerry Holmes. It was a bit, Jerry was a little bit taller, maybe 6'2", six, 6'3", six, very lanky. Um, but when he came up to hit you, he hit you. So, you know, again, these guys 
next man up, you get an opportunity to play, you want to play, you want to show that you deserve to be playing in the NFL, and one day you want to get that big contract. And, you know, the thing about the Jets, nobody gives anybody any credit or the shuffling that the teams had to do. You know, you got 15 different players, excuse me, have missed a total of 61 games. You know, they've used 68 players in their first 11 weeks. That, that was tied for the most going into yesterday's game with the Miami Dolphins. So, Brian, when you think about that, 68 different players. Where do you build the chemistry? How do you get the continuity? How do you know what the next guy is doing alongside of you? You know, Joe Klecko used to tell me, he goes, you know what, I, ne- I need to know that you're going to do your job. Because if you don't do your job, there's a chance I might get hurt. There's a chance one of your teammates might get hurt. There's a chance that the play might not work. So I need to know that you're going to do your job. And I think the players are now holding one another accountable. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think, you know, people, oh, it seems like whenever I raise the point about all the injuries, people say, oh, it's an excuse. Uh, I don't know what the difference is between an excuse and a reason for things happening. You know, I, I think, you know, it, it's, a, it's a reason that, that, that this season is one way it has. Well, the thing about it, Brian, and you know it as well as I do being around the team, Nobody cares about injuries. You know, the problem about being a player that's injured, you're almost forgotten about, depending on how many weeks you're going to be out. You go to the meetings, but the guy's got to get ready for the game plan. So they'll walk by you and go, hey, Brian, how are you feeling today? You know, week two. Hey, Brian, that's it. You know, they, they don't have time to spend time worrying about getting you back. But you talk about 68 different players. That's a lot, and especially, you know, at the quarterback position. When Sam went down and then Trevor went down, then you brought in Luke and you took him from the practice squad and said, hey, guess what? You're now my starting quarterback. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Players have to develop. And, you know, you look at Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he had a great game yesterday, over 100 yards from the line of scrimmage. But has he really had an opportunity – to have a big game in the first 12 weeks because of the shuffling of the offensive line. Now, there's there's a reason why things don't why results aren't what everybody anticipates. But I know one thing as a Jet fan too, everybody gets frustrated. They want to see that instant results. And uh, for me, watching the game, I see the results. I see them improving. I see them sticking together. All that noise that happened when they were one and seven. You know, Adam Gase said, hey, you know what? I'll take it all on me, but it's not going to get into the locker room. It's not going to get into the building. And he prevented that. We want to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit now, but you got to get ready for Cincinnati because if you don't go out there and beat a winless team the way you're supposed to beat them, don't play down, you know, to their ability. Play to your ability. And I said this week, somebody asked me, what do the Jets have to do to, you know, beat the Raiders? I said, first thing you have to do is you have to self-scout yourself. Look back at the last two games. What did you do right? What did you do wrong? Don't worry about the Raiders. Worry about yourself. Put your game plan together and then go out there and execute it. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Marty, but you mentioned Joe Klecko, and you know, I just was curious – you know, the bond you got, you obviously have a bond with your teammates, but is there a special bond between you guys in the sack exchange, you and Joe, 
and Mark and Abdul? Is there is there a special bond there, uh, even all these years later? Oh, without a doubt. I think that the special bond came in in year one in 1979 when I was a rookie. You know, Joe told me what I needed to do to make it in the NFL, what I needed to do to become a better player. And he took me underneath his wing in 1979, and we probably talked at least, you know, every other week. And we don't talk too much about football. We talk about our families because he's got, you know, his kids and grandchildren, and I got mine. And and um, he's just such a good person. He should be in the Hall of Fame for everything that he's accomplished. I think the only thing that he's missing on his resume is a Super Bowl ring. And trust me, that wasn't his fault. If all of us could have played like Joe played, then we would have gotten to the Super Bowl. If we didn't start having the turnover of players and Walt Michaels getting fired when he did after we lost in the AFC championship game, I truly believe we might have won a Super Bowl. But we didn't. Um, that was a special moment when we had Abdul and you had Mark Gaston. I think the one thing that I looked at, I was very fortunate. I was stuck in the middle of Joe and Abdul. But when you have two t uh, defensive ends that could rush the quarterback the way that they could, you know, it wasn't a, are you guys going to get to the quarterback? No, it was how many times we were going to get to the quarterback. And, you know, and with everything that Mark's going through now, all our, all our thoughts and prayers are with Mark now and with Abdul. He's in a wheelchair and, you know, hopefully prayers can pay off and we can light a few candles and realize that the days that we had in the past were special. And let's try to prepare for a better tomorrow. All right, Marty. Well, I really appreciate it. I wanted to also mention the great work you do with the Marty Lyons Foundation, granting wishes to kids who are terminally ill. Uh, you know, Marty's a really champion uh, of that cause and uh, raises a lot of money every year. And Marty, just tell the listeners if, they, if they're interested in contributing to your charity, you know, what they can do to, uh, to contribute to the Marty Lyons Foundation. Okay, Brian, I, my pleasure. I think for 37 years, we've been helping terminally ill children. We've been taking their greatest wish in life and making it become a reality. We started in 1982 after a series of events. My oldest son, Rocky, was born on March 4th. My dad suddenly died of a heart attack at the age of 58 on March 8th. And a little boy that I was a big brother to that had leukemia died on March 10th at the age of five and a half. And at the age of 25, he kind of struggled for an answer. And I kind of stopped and realized what Coach Bryant had once told me. He said, you know, a winner in the game of life is the person that gives of themselves so others can grow. And I realized that there was nothing that I could do to bring my father or bring Keith back, but there was something that I could do to help other individuals, other ch children, other families that were going through this difficult time. So six of us sat around the table and I said, this is what we want to do. And everybody agreed. And now you look at it 37 years later, we we now operate in 10 states. We've raised over $35 million and we've helped over 7,800 families. So I think everybody has to, you know, especially during the Thanksgiving week, take time realize how fortunate you are give back use your platform to make a difference in somebody else's life because that's the impact that we all have and that's the impact that we can all make you just you just got to stop and realize sometimes uh, we look at our lives from the inside out and it gets 
it gets distorted. It gets clouded. We look at what other people have and we go, wow, we should have that. But when you look at your life from the outside in, you realize how fortunate you are, how blessed you are. And that's when you say, hey, you know what? I can make a difference. So if you go to the martylionsfoundation.org, anything that you donate, 90, 90 cents out of every dollar goes directly to helping these kids. And the more money we, we raise, Brian, the more kids we can help. That's a great cause, Marty. martylionsfoundation.org. Go there and visit it. Marty, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'll uh, see you in Cincinnati. You've got it, Brian, anytime. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. That's a wrap for Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms for the best Jets content out there. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back with a pre-Thanksgiving special edition of the podcast on Wednesday as we are joined by Jets fan and NFL Network personality Rich Eisen. See you then.